How are you guys doing today? Merry Christmas to you. My name is Santa Claus. Elchis. I don't let it grow because it would be gray. We've been looking at this idea of two births, and uh, last week we talked about John the Baptist, uh, the birth of John the Baptist was prophesied. I'm looking at the, in the Gospel of Luke, we see uh, it's prophesied uh, about the, the coming of this one who would, as uh, Chris mentioned again, prepare the way for the second birth, which is the birth of our Savior. And, and uh, John the Baptist, he was the, he was the advanced man and who got things ready and so part two, looking at part two today as we celebrate, as we think about Christmas, as we talk about it, uh, part two is this man Jesus who, again, in the Gospel of Luke was uh, spoken about. And what I want to talk about today mostly is the fact that Jesus, the birth of Jesus was unique in so many different ways, on so many different levels. It wasn't... You know, I talked about John the Baptist. It was a miraculous birth, but it was in a natural sort of way. But the birth of Jesus is a miraculous birth as well, but it's in a very supernatural way. Very supernatural. You see, the birth of Jesus was not just another birth. Not just an ordinary birth. You know, it happens all the time in our world. People are born every day. But this was no ordinary birth. So turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 1, verse 1. John 1, 1. John 1, 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. And then jump down to verse 14. It says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. You see, God came to earth. Emmanuel. Let's see if I can get... I've got a new little toy here. I'm going to see if it works. Uh, we couldn't get to God, so He came to us. And we're celebrating this birth of Christ... God came to earth. These are some of the most powerful verses speaking about who Jesus is in, in all the New Testament. God came to earth. And that's what we see here in these verses in John chapter 1. Does anybody know what these verses kind of remind us of? John 1, 1 reminds us of what verse? Genesis 1, 1, right? It goes right back to the beginning because that's what he's saying here. You see, that Jesus was there, the Word was, was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning, He was there, and then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, made His dwelling among us. Christmas, celebrating the birth of Christ. But I want to talk for a minute about this whole thing of Christmas because it is kind of confusing. And when I think about it, you know, we really are celebrating a whole bunch of things. And I think that's why we get confused, and that's probably why we get stressed out, because there's so much going on. So many things we're celebrating. And we feel guilty if we're not doing this, and we feel guilty if we're not doing that. Any of you ever get guilty during Christmas time? 
because you're not buying enough presents or because you're not thinking only about the birth of Christ or, you know, all these different things that are going on. And, and what I want to say to you is that's okay. And we, we need to give ourselves a little bit of a break. It's okay because there's a lot going on. And really, really the, this holiday that we have is really kind of a celebration of two different holidays. Really, that, that as one person said, they got kind of mushed together. Or you might say mushed together. And one of them uh, was about this guy, St. Nicholas. See that guy there? St. Nicholas. And you say, well, what does he have to do with anything? Well, we know it from the songs that we sing in that about this time of year. But St. Nicholas was a real guy. He was a real person. And it's kind of fascinating when you look at the whole story because he was, he was in the 4th century. Uh, he was a church leader in Greece, what was then known as Greece. It's uh, the part that he was in was actually part of Turkey right now. But this guy, uh, St. Nicholas, he, he came from a very wealthy family. His parents left him a lot of money. And, but, but he didn't want to keep it all for himself. So what he decided he was going to do, he was going to give it away. And he would give uh, gifts to people who were in need. He would hear about somebody who had a need. And he would give them a gift of some kind or another. He tried to be um, anonymous about it, but, you know, people found out. It's hard. It's, it's not always easy to give to people when, when, and for them not to know it. I mean, you can probably do it in some cases. And, and really, Jesus said, you know, don't, you know, you know, don't go standing on the corner saying, well, I'm about to give this to, you know. He says, you know, do it. In secret, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. He says, you know, do it in private, and, and God who sees uh, openly will reward you openly. But this guy, anyways, he had this, he had this reputation for giving people uh, gifts and, and just blessing people. But the thing about this guy, and, and, and I don't think that you hear this today when you hear about this person, is that he was a man who loved God. He was a man who loved Jesus Christ. He was a leader in the church, and, and uh, as a matter of fact, he, he, he was actually persecuted. Was a, there was a time of persecution during that period he was alive, and he was actually put in prison for his faith in Jesus Christ. Now, you don't, when you hear, well, you say, what's that got to do with anything? Well, well St. Nicholas is where we get the name Santa Claus, right? You all knew that, right? Because the Dutch, when they came to America, they, they pronounced St. Nicholas as Sinterklaas. And if you say that really fast a bunch of times, it's going to start sounding like Santa Claus. Right? Go ahead, try that. Some of you are brave. Sinterklaas, Sinterklaas, Sinterklaas. And, and so really, that's, that's what kind of happened, because there were a lot of Dutch people in, in the city of New York, and so they brought the, these traditions as well. Well, St. Nicholas Day was actually celebrated on, anybody know what date? December, December 6th. Close. <laughs> Maybe some do celebrate on December 5th, actually. I think you might be right about that. But anyways, it, it was celebrated on a different day, and they would celebrate this guy. And then on December 25th was celebrated the birth of Christ. Okay, so, but they were separate, and, and that probably would have been easier. In, in some places, they probably still separate, separate them and celebrate them separately. It would have been easier for us. Now, uh, about the time of the Reformation, uh, 
uh, you know, uh, Luther and some of the other reformers said, well, we're not going to keep, we don't want to be celebrating saints. You know, because, uh, you know, we want to get back to the, to, the, to the meat of the Bible and what it talks about. And, and uh, of course, there's, there's a lot of confusion about the word saint anyways, because if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, guess what? You're a saint too. I remember this guy I used to know, he, he'd signed his letters, St. Joe, because his name was Joe. Now, you and I, we have trouble doing that because of what we think. Oh, saint is somebody who's done miracles. Saint is somebody who's done this and that. Well, it's not even biblical to, to think like that. But this guy, anyways, <clears throat> getting back to Sinterklaas. Of course, we know, and I, I want to say this right now, that a lot of things have been added, right, that aren't true, Okay? A lot of things have been added that aren't true. There, you know, the, the thing about the reindeer and the flying reindeer. Well, that's just not true, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> now, he gets around, but he doesn't use reindeer, no. But there was a real guy, and, and what he did, he was a man who, who, had, who gave an example of giving, you see, and the story goes, as you've probably heard, that he threw some uh, bags of coins into a, a, a house that had three gals in there, three young women who needed dowry money, and they just happened to land in the stockings that were put up on the chimney to dry. You, you see, that's where we kind of get that whole thing. I think, I think the biggest problem that I have with it is that, is that St. Nicholas was a man who gave. And I think we get a little bit confused because we think Christmas time is a time to get, right? Oh, we like to give people stuff, but we really want to get stuff, right? Let's be honest. I'll be honest, people. You're, 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 you know, you've got stuff for other people, but you're really thinking about, what am I going to get? You know, if I give something good, maybe I'll get something good. You know, the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I'm giving them something really big and nice, and they're going to give me something big and nice. Well, that isn't really kind of what St. Nicholas was all about at all. But, you know, we can put up with some things, and I think that's okay, but watch out for some of the extra stuff that gets added. One of the most interesting things to me is that during the time of his life, there was a council in a city called Nicaea. How many of you heard of Nicaea? The council of Nicaea and and out of this council came what's called the Nicene Creed. And, and this is, a, you know, in the early 300s. And, and basically what was happening at that time was there was false doctrine coming up. This is, you know, just 300 years after the time of Christ, right? And, and false doctrine, false teachings, you know, is, is starting to circulate. So they said, we need to get together and, and really kind of hammer this out. And through the history of the church, there's been different you know, councils that got together and, and uh, you know, just recognized what the real truth was. Anyways, this particular council, there was a man called Arius who was teaching that Jesus was a created being. That Jesus was, did not exist eternally, right, with the Father. This is what he was teaching. So they said, we got to, we, hey, wait a minute. This is like, this is not good. 
So they got together, and, and, they, and one of the major, the major thing, the most important thing that came out of this council was the fact that they, they affirmed that Jesus Christ always existed with the Father, that he was one in substance with the Father, that he and the Father were co-equal, the Father, the Son, and, and of course this whole thing about the Trinity as well. There were only, of the hundreds of people that were at this council, uh, only two voted against that. And they were probably Arius and somebody else, his brother or something, I don't know. But the interesting thing about this is they believe, and some have written that St. Nicholas was at this council, that he was, one of the, he was one of the voting bishops at this council. Isn't that fascinating? Now, when you think about Santa Claus, you're not thinking about the fact that he stood up for the truth of who Jesus is. It's not something you and I think about, the guy in the red suit. But the true reality, the true guy, the true personage that that this has kind of morphed uh, from into some other things, he stood up for the truth of who Jesus Christ is, the eternal God, that he wasn't created that, that, in fact, he was the creator. Jesus Christ was a creator. We read that here. Look at verse 3. It says, through him. Through who? Through the word. All things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. That's, that is so clear, isn't it? Jesus was the agent of creation. He was in the, in the, in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He was the one who was there. That, that all things were made through him. Nothing was created without him being involved in it. So if that's the case, how could he be a created being? Did he create himself? No. He was there. Co-eternal with the Father. I like what it says in Colossians chapter 1. It says, for by him, and speaking about Jesus Christ, by him all things were created Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is the, the one that we're talking about here, Jesus the Christ, who was born that day. It says, by him all things were created. So we celebrate his birth into this world, but we don't celebrate his genesis, right? You know that word, genesis? That means beginning. We don't celebrate his beginning because he was there, you see, at Genesis 1.1. That's what we read. Look at John 1.1 again. In the beginning was the word. We've already said this harkens back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It says here, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the Word was God. See, God came down. Verse 14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only. One and only. Why is this important? Because, it, it, because if Jesus wasn't God come down, then why would we bother to worship a man? Why would we bother to listen and follow and give our lives to a man? It's not... It wouldn't be worth it. wouldn't be right. So this idea of Jesus being preexistent, that he has always existed, he's, he's eternal, 
He's God the Son. He existed before the world was created. I found it interesting in the Gospel of Luke where they speak about, <clears throat> excuse me, about the birth of John the Baptist. And it's prophesied and, 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 and then, you know, Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to have this son. And then it's spoken about the fact that Jesus is going to be born as well. And that's the order that you find it in the Gospel of Luke. But, you see, when John the Baptist spoke about it, look down at verse 15. This is interesting. John, at least I found it interesting. John the Baptist, speaking about Jesus, he says this. He testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me. Why? Because he was before me. See? He came after John the Baptist, but John the Baptist realized, Listen, this guy is he's in another league altogether. That's why I must decrease, but he must increase. John the Baptist realized, you know, he, he was before me. He surpassed me because he's, he's in a whole nother uh, ball league. So many, you know, the Gospel of John has so many verses about this idea. Turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 13. We're going to look at uh, three or four of these verses here in, in the Gospel of John uh, about the about who Christ is, the, the pre-existence of Jesus, because we're speaking about him coming into the world, but, but where did he come from? Was he just born that day like Arius was trying to say? It says, no one, verse 13, has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Another word for Jesus. The one who came from heaven. Where did he come from? He came from heaven. He came and he took the form of man. Look at John chapter 6, verse 62. John 6, 62. He says, What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? And isn't in fact that's what he did do? He ascended into heaven and he was just going back home. It wasn't the first time he'd ever been there. He was there from eternity. He came down for a limited period of time. In fact, it was only what? About 33 years? But he was, he was in heaven for eternity uh, past and eternity future. He was the eternal son of God. I like uh, John chapter 8, verse 58. Speaking to the Jews who they loved Abraham, right? Of course they did. But he told them that I'd, that I'd seen Abraham. And he says in verse 58, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham was born, he said, I am. That's an incredible statement. You have to think about that for a second. First of all, he says, I am. He didn't say I was. He says, I am. And, and the word I am harkens back to another Old Testament word, which is what? Yahweh, the one who is, the literal translation or one of the literal translations of that word Yahweh, the one who is, I am. And when you look back in like in the, in the book of Exodus, you know, Moses says, well, who shall, I, who shall I tell them when he was told to go and speak to the people? Who shall I tell them sent me? And he says, tell them that I am has sent you. Jesus said, I am. Before Abraham was born, I am. 
Why do you make such a big deal about this? Because you know what? It is a big deal. It's a huge deal, as a matter of fact. Charles Swindoll said, Emmanuel, God with us, he who resided in heaven, co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Spirit, willingly descended into our world. He breathed our air. He felt our pain. He knew our sorrows. And he died for our sins. He didn't come to frighten us, but to show us the way to warmth and safety. That's just Jesus. See, when we know who he, who he really is, and, and, and then we really kind of get the picture that God came down from eternity and came to this earth, well, that's, that, that, that's way bigger than what a lot of people think, right? Now, unbelievers don't look at it that way. They, they as a nice little baby birth, there's a nice little picture of the manger scene and all that. It looks kind of cool. and It's got the, all the people hanging around, the animals there and everything. First of all, it, it wasn't really that nice what happened. But I want to tell you something that, that uh, the departure from these truths that we're talking about and looking at this morning, the preexistence of Christ, the fact that he was God the Son eternally, this is where, this, these are the signs of a cult when they depart from these things. They're, there's a lot of different groups, so let me just read to you a couple of them. Christianity, we believe that God came in the flesh. God came and took the form of man. The Word became flesh. Christadelphianism, we don't hear about them much anymore, but they believe Jesus was a created being, a man with a sin nature. Christian science, you've heard of them? A man in tune, this is what they believe, a man in tune with the divine consciousness, not the Christ. Well, that just gets plain weird. They, they say they make fun of Christians because we believe that he's God come in the flesh. But they believe this weird stuff. He's in touch with the divine consciousness. Like, what is that? Islam. They believe that Jesus is a created being. He was a prophet, but he is not God. Jehovah's Witnesses, you heard of them? They believe that he is a created being. That Michael, they believe that he is Michael the archangel who became a man. Oh, really? That's weird. The Mormons, they believe that he is a created being, the brother of the devil and of all people. Yeah. Search. Check it out. Theosophy, that's kind of a strange one. They believe he's a created being, a great teacher. That's what a lot of the world believes today. Well, Jesus was a great teacher, even though we don't want to believe what he said. But he was a good man. He was a good teacher. And, you know, unity. He was a created being, a man, not the Christ. The way international, he was a created being, a man, not God in the flesh. This is, this is like, I think, one of the number one issues that when we depart from this, we're, we're on very shaky ground. Very shaky ground. Jesus was God eternal. He was with God and he was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was born a virgin, as, as uh, we talk about here. This is an interesting scripture in, in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, 10. It says this, Therefore, when Christ 
came into the world, speaking of the fact that he was out of the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. He took the form. He, he was given a body. But he existed before that. God came down, you see. God came down and, 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 and he came to this world. What I, what I thought about this as well is that when he came, when, when God came down, we kind of think about this. We, it, it's, it's his world. And so we, we want to say to him, welcome to your world. We think of it as like, welcome to my world. You know, when, you, when you're having a bad day and you tell someone about it and you say, welcome to my world. Right? But, but you see, he owns it. It's all his. It's his world. And, and, and like, to get this picture again, if we talk about him being the creator, well, he created it all, so it's all his. It all belongs to him. Well, that's crazy. It's all his? It's, it's not mine? It's not ours? No, it's all his. And so do we treat him that way? I, I don't think we do, but David talked about it. He said that, you know, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything belongs to him. But does he get treated that way? I, I don't really think that he does. Do you? This, this celebration that we have that Jesus was born in, in this manger, God the Son comes to earth, the earth that he had created, and he was born. He had this body that was prepared for him, but he was born. Where was he born? He was born in a barn. The creator, the one who the earth was created through, he came, he was born in a barn. Have you been in a barn lately? Have you ever been to a dairy farm? It's not nice in the barn. Have you ever seen the troughs that they feed the animals with in a barn? That they throw the water in or they throw the hay in or whatever? That's where they put Jesus. That's what I'm saying. The pictures that we have, it's all, you know, very nice and all serene. And, but this was a stinking barn where the creator of the earth, the creator of everything that owned it all, he's now in this little feeding trough, basically. Not only that, but he lived and he was rejected. The creator of the universe was rejected. And if that wasn't enough, they crucified him. They killed him. The creator of the universe comes to the earth, and what do they do? How do they receive him? How do they welcome him? They end up crucifying him. Whoa. Of course, he rose from the dead because you couldn't keep him down because of who he is. Son of God, eternal God, you can't keep him in the grave. No way. And then it says that he ascended, he went and he ascended up back to heaven where he had come from. This crazy thing about this, this whole, how that, how that all happened and who he is, you know, he came down, and, but why did he do it? Why did he, why did he go through all of that? Well, it's very, very simple, really, is he had to become a man to die for mankind, to pay the price, 
pay the price that you and I owe for our sin. He had to become like us to pay for our sin. He had to. He did it because he loved the world. He did it, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, John 3, 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, the father sent his son into the world. That's what we've been saying. He came from heaven. He was sent here on a mission. But he didn't come down to condemn us. He didn't come down to say, you know, you people are all rotten, filthy sinners, which we are. He came down to save us. And the only way to save us was through the cross. You remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? Father, he says, you know, if there's any other way, if there is any other way. And what did the Father say? No, no other way. So he went to the cross and he died for you and he died for me, paid the price for the sins of mankind for any that would say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, the thief on the cross next to him said. So we couldn't get to God, so he came to us. Our sins separated us. And back to the beginning of where we started here, this idea of two births. We had John the Baptist, and he was, he was a, he was, it was a miraculous birth, but in a natural way. He was still just a man. Miraculous in the sense that God put it together. And I happen to believe that uh, any birth, any human birth is miraculous. Have you ever been and seen a baby that was just born? It is, it's absolutely miraculous. You just go, whoa, you're just blown away by it. It's miraculous. But it's still kind of on the natural plane. And, and the father helped Zechariah and Elizabeth get to this place where they could have a child. And again, they were older. They were unlikely parents. But Jesus, miraculous, yes, but in a supernatural way where Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus came from heaven to a body that God had prepared for him. There's nothing like it. There will never be anything like it. This birth of this man, the life of this man, God the Son, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension changed the world forever. Changed the world forever. Changed. There, there is no man that has had an impact on this world like Jesus Christ. No man. So, supernatural, you know, incredible. So, getting back to our celebrations. We celebrate. We have a lot to celebrate. And I hope I've stimulated your thinking a little bit that when we think about the birth of Jesus, this was no ordinary, no, you know, natural situation. This was supernatural. This is unique in, in, in a way that there will never, ever be anything like it. And then thinking about the other celebration of Santa and all that, I think of Santa saying, ho, 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 Jesus is the eternal God. 
Did you hear that? <laughs> you ever think about that? Think about that. But St. Nicholas, he, he, he lived a life of giving to others, and that's a good thing. And he did it because he loved God. Ho, ho, ho. Jesus is Lord. I'd like to hear them saying that. Someone pointed out, too, you know, in front of the stores where the, uh, the Salvation Army have their uh, Santas. They're often dressed as Santas, and they're ringing the bell, right? And, and uh, they do that to help people. And the Salvation Army are, are doing a good work. They're helping people. So, speaking about births, I just want to close with this thought. We have the eternal God come down. We have John the Baptist, a natural birth, and then Jesus, a supernatural birth. But it makes me think about two births for you and I as well. We have a natural birth, and again, that's miraculous too. And for some of you, it is very miraculous. Maybe the, the kinds of things that were happening in, in, in your family, you think about it, it's miraculous. I want you to know that, that God loves each and every one of you in a very unique and special way and that it is a miraculous thing that you are sitting here today. Miraculous. He loves you. But there's another birth, another supernatural birth, a spiritual birth that takes place, place that, that uh, Jesus spoke about it in John chapter 3 uh, in the same chapter where he spoke about that God so loved the world. Previous to that in that chapter, he said to this man Nicodemus, he said, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And then he says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. There's the two births that are spoken of there, the being born of water. That's a, the natural birth that you and I all came to this planet through. But there's a spiritual birth that takes place through trusting in, in Jesus, that in who he is, that he wasn't just a man, he wasn't just a teacher, he wasn't just a prophet. He was the eternal son of God who came and, and gave his life so that you and I could have life. Through trusting in him, there's something that takes place within us, a birth, spiritual birth. I always believe in, in, in that, that Jesus said you must be born again. He says you can't see the kingdom of God, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. We say, well, what does that mean? And that's what Nicodemus was saying is, how do you know? You know what, I think if you put your, put your trust in Jesus Christ, you will know. You will know that you know that you know. Say, well, how am I going to know? Well, put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you will know. Many of you have already done that, and you know that he's changed your life. You know that he's done a work in your life. The last thought I want to leave you with is this, is that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, but you know what? When we are born again, he celebrates our birth. That's awesome. The angels in heaven, they have a, like a party up there, he says. He celebrates your birth. He celebrated your natural birth, but he really celebrates your spiritual birth. Really. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this time and this time of year where we think about who Jesus the Son is, the Son of God, God the Son who came. 
that you sent him down to be the Savior of the world. And Father, we, we humble ourselves before him. He wasn't just a man, just a baby, just a natural child. He was the Word, was with God. He was God, was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. We humble ourselves before that child, that person, that Jesus Christ, the Savior. Just as this man, St. Nicholas, would have humbled himself before you as well. Father, we proclaim that you love us. We proclaim that you sent your son. But we also remember that he died upon a cross. The creator came and gave his life for me for each one of us, for each man, woman, and child on this planet. And yet, all we need to do is trust and put our hope and faith in Him. Thank you, Lord, for this time where we can celebrate. And Father, help us through the confusion, maybe, the, the stress sometimes, the guilt. Just help us to juggle it all, but, but most of all, to have our hearts right and bring you that offering that we sang about earlier to Jesus Christ, our King. Father, I pray for any here this morning that maybe have never, have never humbled themselves, have never said, Jesus, I, I believe in who you are. Jesus, I give you my heart. I open my life to you today. Maybe there's some here today that, are, that this is the day that they need to say those words and, and open their hearts and lives and, and have this radical thing happened, this supernatural thing happened within their hearts. The new birth, new life that comes in. If that's you, simply, simply do it in your own heart right now. Simply cry out to Him and say, Lord, I call upon the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I call upon the name of Jesus. I call upon you, Jesus, to be my Savior, forgive me. Be my Lord, I'll follow you. Father, thank you again. We, we pray uh, that your blessing would be upon our lives. We pray for the time with our families. That you just help us to just, to just to enjoy the time, despite all the things that might or might not happen. And give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing, shall we?